Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast is recorded and presented in stereo. Listening to it through an environment such as headphones is highly recommended. Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast is proudly sponsored by CDS Print and Design. For printed t-shirts, hoodies, canvases, coasters, placemats, stickers, banners, signage and much, much more, contact Colin or Debbie at CDS Print and Design through Facebook Instagram or email at cdsprintanddesign at gmail.com. With high quality products at competitive prices, what have you got to lose? We're currently asking you, the listeners, for your ghost stories and paranormal experiences for a set of listener episodes. Wherever you live in the world, if you've had an experience, then please email the show with full details of your story to haunted UK podcast at hotmail.com. Have you seen a ghost? Have you witnessed something strange that left you thinking that you may have experienced something paranormal? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you would swear that something was watching you, making you feel extremely uncomfortable? Hauntings aren't necessarily things that take place in a house or an abandoned factory. As human beings, many things can haunt us. It's just whether your judgement would count them as supernatural. Welcome to Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK Podcast. This is episode 10 of Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to hear your stories of ghost sightings and paranormal experiences. Well, we finally made it to episode 10 and to your stories. Whether this is your first time listening to the show, or if you're a seasoned regular... I can't thank you all enough for sticking with me and enjoying these amazing tales that we've explored over the last nine episodes. But I also want to give huge thanks for those who've taken your time to write in and share your experiences. This is an episode that I've been really looking forward to, and I sincerely hope that you all enjoy it too. Let's start off with a very strange tale from Andrew who lives in Preston in the UK. He writes... Now this took place in late February 1987, so it was still fairly cold and still got dark very early. When I was at high school, me and my best friend at the time would spend loads of time together, mainly out on our mountain bikes or playing golf. 
We'd both managed to get hold of half sets of clubs and bags and would go with my friend's dad to play on some of the local courses. This would usually be on a Saturday afternoon. His dad made an amazing homemade beef curry and this would be slow cooking all day. After eating, we pretty much always watch a video or some TV with his mum, dad and stepbrother and I'd usually end up sleeping over. One Saturday, my friend's dad was called into work, so we both grabbed our bikes, a nine iron each, and some golf balls and biked up to our local school field. When we couldn't get to a golf course, we'd spend hours smacking golf balls around on the school field. It was massive, so there was never any danger of us hitting anything valuable. After a good couple of hours of practice, if you could call it that, we headed back to my friend's house to do our normal ritual of beef curry, video, and then sleepover. My friend would sleep in his bed, and I would be on a camp bed on the opposite side of the room in front of his wardrobe. We'd always chat and have a laugh for a while until we fell asleep, and this Saturday was no different from any of the others. Until in the early hours of the morning, I'm not sure of the time, I was woken up by the sound of my friend mumbling and talking in his sleep. I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, but whatever he was dreaming about, it was beginning to upset him. After a few more seconds, he shot upright and was wide awake. I asked him if he was okay, and he replied by saying that he'd had a really, really weird dream. He said that he was on the school field, completely alone, and it was a bright sunny day. He'd got a golf club and was hitting some shots. As he hit one shot, he heard a thud. As he looked up, he said he saw a huge ship floating on the grass, as if it was on the water. He described the ship as being red along the bottom and white where the bridging cabins and things were. He did say that there was large writing on it, but he couldn't remember what it said. He also said that he saw people walking around on the decks, and then after a while, he noticed that the ship started to tip over onto its side. He said that there were loud crashing sounds and screaming, and that's when he woke up. He had no idea what it meant and neither did I, and we pretty much forgot about it. Around two weeks later, on the 6th of March 1987, the ferry the Herald of Free Enterprise left Zeebrugge Harbour in Belgium and capsized shortly after. It ended up on its side, resting on a sandbank which was preventing it from sinking fully. It was red along the bottom and white on the top and had large writing along the side. The ferry was full of vehicles which all started smashing into each other as the ship tipped over. 193 passengers and crew died in the accident and it seemed that my friend had seen it happen a couple of weeks before. After the initial surprise and disbelief, we never really spoke about it but it stayed with me for all these years Hopefully you read this out, but if not, that's okay. Love the podcast, the stories, and the production. It's great to listen to, and I really hope you continue. An absolutely unbelievable story. Thanks so much, Andrew, for taking the time to send this into the show. There are so many stories of everyday people who completely by accident have dreams or visions of an event which seems to come true. Are these glimpses simply coincidence? Or is there something else at work that we don't yet understand? I also feel that these types of one-off experiences seem more genuine than those of a more traditional seer 
such as Nostradamus, whose predictions can be interpreted and made to fit in many different ways. Going slightly off-tangent, one of my favourite one-off prediction glimpses happened in 1979 to a man called David Booth. For ten consecutive nights, David had the same nightmare about a plane crash. What he saw was a three-engined commercial airliner speeding down the runway and taking off, but then suddenly banking over sharply and then bursting into flames as it crashed into the ground. He was very specific that this particular airliner had three engines, with one as part of the tail assembly. He also felt that this airplane was part of the American Airlines fleet. After another night of the same dream, David was convinced that something was going to happen. So convinced, in fact, that he decided to contact the FAA and American Airlines. Fully expecting to be labelled as a crank, David was completely surprised when both the FAA and American Airlines took him seriously and listened intently to his story. The only problem was that David couldn't provide a date or time when this crash was supposed to happen, so both parties were technically helpless. On the 24th of May, David had his last dream. On the 25th, David was sat in front of his TV when the news broke that an American Airlines DC-10 crashed on takeoff. In exactly the way that David Booth had experienced over the last consecutive nights. David was even briefly investigated by authorities who were obviously curious of his story, but he was never a suspect in the cause of the disaster. American Airlines, on the other hand, were found guilty of cutting corners in a bid to save money on a repair, which resulted in a major component failing, causing the whole disaster. Our next listener story was sent in by Mel from Warwickshire, and this is an amazing tale of an invisible friend. Mel says, For context, my brother Liam would have been around 10 years old at the time. Our house was built over a mine, and every night we would hear Liam in his bedroom having a conversation with what we thought was himself. As the days carried on, conversations would get longer and would become very interestingly weird. One day, we decided to ask Liam who or what he was talking to each night, to which he responded, I'm talking to Jack. At that time at home, There were only five of us living there. My mum, my dad, me, Liam and my sister Lisa. But nobody called Jack. It soon turned out that, according to Liam, Jack was a little boy that lived in the attic, above my bedroom. And each night he snuck down and went into Liam's room so that they could have their chats. As our house was built over the mine, We soon established that Jack was a little boy working down the mines as a child. Liam also said that Jack's leg was very badly injured. He told Liam that this injury was caused by a mining train running over him, which was the cause of his death, which happened in the mine tunnels right under our house. He would tell Liam all the stories from being down in the mine and what a horrible experience he was supposed to have had. It soon came to our attention that he would have been around the same age as Liam and they seemed to have built a good friendship over the next couple of years. It wasn't until Liam started high school 
that their friendship started to fade and he would rarely speak of Jack unless asked, but even then he wouldn't go into great detail. To this day, Jack still remains a mystery to us as no one has had the same experience in our house and Liam no longer speaks of him. But we still don't know whether he's still in our house, living in the attic. I guess we'll never know. I always find these types of stories fascinating. Allegedly, some animals seem to possess a sixth sense, a type of knowing that enables them to sense in some form or another an impending event. Such as horses, for example, who immediately vacate an area just before an earthquake. How do they know? How can they tell? As children, are we equipped with a similar sense that enables us to see or sense things around us that we otherwise can't see? And as we grow into adults, do we lose this sense? A huge thank you to Mel. Thanks for sending your story into the podcast. It's really appreciated. This next story was sent in by Jay and involves him, his twin sister Lizzie and a few friends that all gathered at their parents' house when they were away on holiday. Jay comments that this story is quite long and if I wanted to cut it down then he would be okay with that, but I wanted to include this in its entirety. Jay writes, This took place around 20 years ago when me and Lizzie, my twin sister, were in our very late teens. We were still both living at home at the time, and our mum and dad had gone to Spain on holiday. Most teenagers would have jumped at the chance to have a massive party while their parents were on holiday, but we were never really like that. We kind of had our own little group of friends and we tended to stick together. Anyway, one evening four of our friends came over for a few drinks and a takeaway. We'd usually end up watching a film, but this time we'd managed to get hold of an Ouija board. The drinks flowed and after a few hours we decided to get around the dining room table and mess around with the Ouija board. I'll admit now that absolutely none of us ever thought that something would happen. To be honest we all thought that this was all rubbish. Now the board was printed onto what looked like a thin sheet of wood and one of our friends had bought it from one of those spiritual trinket shops on holiday that sold tarot cards and incense sticks and stuff like that. We got a wine glass, placed it on the board and sat down. We turned the lights off and lit a couple of candles to make the atmosphere a bit spooky. We all put a finger on the base of the glass and then we all started laughing as we didn't really know how to start or what to say. One of our group just said something like, if there are any spirits who are here and want to communicate with us, then please try to move the glass. Again, a few more laughs from us then they followed up by saying, if you're here with us, move the glass to yes. Is there anybody here? As we all sat there with our fingers on the glass, it started to move. And it moved to yes. We all froze. And then as anyone would, we all accused each other of moving the glass. No one admitted to it. Then, the same person asked, are you male? which the glass then moved to no. I think we were all getting a little bit scared by then, but then another question was asked, which was, can you tell us your name? The glass then moved to G, then to E, then to M, 
then it kind of did a circular motion, then went back to M and then stopped on A. As soon as it stopped, one of our friends took her finger off the glass and said that she wanted to stop right now and she didn't like it. The rest of us were kind of shocked a little, but we agreed and we stopped. It turned out that the name Gemma was the auntie of the friend who wanted to stop. Her auntie had died a few months earlier and, to be honest, none of us knew about it. Anyway, we were all a little spooked. We had another couple of drinks, talked a little and then decided to go to bed. Lizzie and me had our own rooms and our friends crashed in the living room on the sofas and airbeds. Everything was quiet as we all settled down and went to sleep. I woke up a little while later. I don't know why, but as I sat up in bed, I heard a noise come from downstairs. I was quite thirsty anyway, so I decided to go downstairs and get a drink of water and see if someone was up and about. As I got to the bottom of the stairs, I turned to walk towards the kitchen. I passed the living room, and as I passed the dining room, I saw Lizzie standing at the far end of the dining table, just staring into space. I asked her if she was okay, but she didn't answer. I need to say here that I got really, really scared. It was so weird. The next thing that happened will stick in my mind forever. I called out in a loud kind of whisper, Lizzie! And her eyes then focused on me and she smiled, but her gums were black. And as she blinked, the whole of her eyes went black. Every hair on my body stood on end and I was absolutely freaked out. Then I heard a loud creak coming from behind me and as I quickly spun around to see what it was, I was totally stunned to see Lizzie standing there, rubbing her eyes and asking what I was doing downstairs. Let's just say that a few swear words came out. It just screwed with my brain. I looked back and there was nobody in the dining room. I have no idea what was standing there in that room, but it looked exactly like my sister. My swearing woke everybody up, and I told them all what had happened. I'm not sure to this day if everyone believed me, but we all stayed in the living room that night, and it was a relief when morning came. Nothing else ever happened after this, but I always wondered whether we'd let something in when we were messing around with the Ouija board. Anyway, sorry for this story being so long, and it would be great if it gets read out. All the best, and I look forward to more episodes. A brilliant story, which really gave me the creeps when I read it. I simply don't know what I would have done in your situation. A massive thank you for emailing this into the show. I think this one will stay in my mind for quite a while as well. We're going to the other side of the world now. Jen Shaughnessy is a makeup artist from New York who has her own company, The Backstage Stylist. She works on TV and movie sets as well as running training programs for students wanting to become professional makeup artists. Jen has been a great source of support for both the studio and the podcast and kindly sent in a number of stories. Jen writes... First, let me start by saying that I'm just as much as a believer as I am sceptical. I'm not someone who is either gullible or easily fooled. 
and I will always try to disprove everything because I genuinely have trust issues. 1987 or 88. My brother actually had an experience that sparked my interest in the supernatural. He was about two or three at the time, and we're eight and a half years apart and I'm the older. We both went to this Catholic preschool called St. Coleman's. It was a daycare stroke preschool in one building, a program for special kids in another building, and a home for autistic children and adults that were basically abandoned by their families. It also had a fallout shelter, which freaked me out. Anyhow, one day we picked up my brother from school, and one of the nuns said something to my mother about how we should update my brother's information because they didn't know he had a peanut allergy. At lunch, they served peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. My brother refused to eat it and said that he was allergic to them. My mom was like, he's not allergic to peanut butter. So she called him over and she was like, Jimmy, why did you say that you were allergic to peanut butter? He said, Grandma Rose told me. Well, my Grandma Rose died in 1985 when he was only a few months old. This was in 1988 or 89, and I was 11 or 12. Oakwood Cemetery, Troy, New York, home to Uncle Sam, one of the most haunted cemeteries in New York. A friend and I were walking past it when we stopped and yelled, Is there anybody there? At that moment, lightning struck in the cemetery, so we screamed like banshees and ran away scared out of our minds. Moving on to 1993, the Witch's Grave Burn, New York High School. We drove up to the grave after dark. There was a mist rolling on the ground, and I wouldn't get out of the truck, so I stayed behind alone and got even more creeped out. It was the kind of creepy feeling you get when it's overwhelming and the hair on the back of your neck stands up and everything gets very cold. It felt like the air was being sucked out of the atmosphere. I do kind of want to go back there and plant flowers and leave gifts for her. And that place always makes me feel so sad. Moving on to 1996 and 97. A friend of mine had passed away and after a long night of drinking and hanging out with friends, I was going to sleep and saw this friend sitting in the corner of my room. I chalked it up to drinking, but I didn't drink anything that was mildly hallucinogenic. So you tell me if you think it happened. 2000 now. Oslo, Norway. Slotsparken apartment. I lived here for about two and a half to three months while training for a job with H&M. It was rumoured to be an old hospital. There were about 12 of us from my store and they put us up here to train for opening a new store back home in New York. We were store number nine. My room was, of course, in the mental ward wing. I was always hearing knocking on doors, thinking it was a colleague, but when I checked on it, there was nobody there. I kept waking up in the middle of the night. One night, I woke up to the old hag in my face, a wrinkly old woman with black beady eyes about an inch from my face and a baby crawling across the bed, always between 3am and 4am. After I saw the old hag, I went up to my friend's room in the middle of the night because I was so scared. This happened a few times over the few months I was there. 2005 now. 
Albany, New York Club Knock, a former firehouse. I was a nightclub manager and an event planner. I was by myself most of the time during the day there, and I usually got in for around 9 or 10, but nobody else got there until around 2pm. Toilets would always randomly flush in the men's bathroom, and I always got the heebie-jeebies down there. It always felt like there was someone down there. I'd see stuff out the corner of my eye, down the halls, going into other rooms. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, also worked there, but he worked nights as a bouncer. Now, he doesn't really believe in any of this stuff at all, by the way. The fire inspectors always came in for surprise inspections, just to make sure that we were under maximum capacity. I said to the inspector one time, Next time the fire department comes in, ask them who died here. The inspector was like, What? Are you crazy? Or wouldn't you know it, the next time he asked the fire department, he came back and said that one of the firemen had died and had a heart attack. Plus it was not the original building. The previous firehouse burned to the ground and they rebuilt it as it was today. He said that it was Captain, an Irish name maybe, and he'd love it that I was hanging out with him and was probably also really happy that it was turned into a bar. That kind of made me feel better about the whole thing. Next up is 2006, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville Sanatorium. Now, Jen says here that this is a huge story on its own, and she actually has pictures somewhere on a hard disk that she's going to try and dig out and write this entire story up. So I really can't wait for you to do this and send it over, Jen. Looking forward to this one. 2010 or 2011, Altamont, New York, our log cabin. I was outside after dark. I can't for the life of me remember what I was doing, but when I walked back to the house there were small footprints the size of a young child's on the deck leading to our house. Normally I would have thought they were my daughter's at the time, but she wasn't home. Now I've got to say Jen, I would love to know a bit more about this story and maybe if the log cabin of yours has got some sort of history, maybe paranormal or supernatural history. Um. Yeah, if you could write that up for me and let me know, I'd really appreciate it because this one creeps me out a little bit as well. Okay, let's move on. Our last story from Jen takes place in 2016. And it goes like this. My home after my grandfather died and I was watching TV. I believe it was on Netflix. It was about midnight and the TV started skipping like it was a program on an antenna losing its signal. Then my husband's alarm clock started going off, which he never uses. He always uses his phone, and so do I. I don't even have an alarm clock, so I just yelled out, Hi Poppy, I love you. And it stopped. Thanks so much for sending all of these stories, Jen. They all fall into various categories of the paranormal, such as crisis ghosts, poltergeist phenomenon, and even full-blown apparitions. Please, please, please... Get the Louisville Sanatorium story typed up and sent over whenever you can, along with those photos. I would love to try and make this into a full episode. Thanks again, Jen. Our next listener story takes place back in the UK, and this time we're in Somerset. Helen has kindly sent in the following story. Hi there, my name is Helen and I used to work behind the bar of a social club around 25 years ago. I really enjoyed my job 
and made so many friends that I still keep in touch with even today. One Saturday night we'd had a band playing in the function room. It had been a great atmosphere and everyone had really enjoyed themselves. Anyway, after everyone had finished their drinks and left, it was down to me and Mike, who I was working with, to clean up, lock up and go home. Mike was sorting bits and pieces out in the lounge and I was cleaning up behind the bar in the function room. Everything was going okay until I dropped a glass. Paul shouted to ask if I was okay and I said yes. I got the dustpan and brush and bent down to clean the glass up. As I got up, I saw an elderly lady walking across the function room's dance floor and through the open double doors which led to the toilets. I was a bit confused as I hadn't heard anyone come through the door between the lounge and the function room. I remember calling out something like, Excuse me love, we're closed now. But there was no reply. She's gone to the toilet, I thought. I came from behind the bar and straightened up the tables and chairs to waste a little time until the lady had come out of the toilets. But she didn't come out. Now I have to be honest, for some reason I just became really nervous. So I called out to Mike. A few moments later he came into the function room and asked if everything was alright. I told him what had happened and asked if he would wait outside the toilets while I went in to check. Now, you have to understand that this part of the building is laid out like this. Through some double doors, which are only closed and locked when the club is closed, is a very short corridor with a fire escape at the end, to the left of the men's toilets and to the right of the women's toilets. There is no other way out other than going through the fire escape, which was locked. I opened the door to the women's toilets and called out to the lady to ask if she was okay and that we were closed. There was no answer. I looked at Mike and he shrugged and said, Do you want me to come in with you? I said yes. So we both went in and there was absolutely nobody there. I know that I'd seen that lady. I just know it. So we both went and checked the men's toilets. Again, nobody there. We both stood there for a few seconds, and then we heard what sounded like a chair or table being pushed over. We both rushed out of the toilets and back into the function room to find a single chair sat in the middle of the dance floor. Both me and Mike were getting really, really scared. There was no sign of anyone. No noises. Nothing. We both quickly finished up, locked up, and got out of there. Not sure what we'd both experienced. I wasn't back in work until the following Friday, but made a point of asking the manager if I could have a chat. I told him what had happened the Saturday before and was expecting him to tell me that I was seeing things or something like that, but he didn't. He told me that he'd seen her a few years ago, in the function room, going towards the toilets, but he said that a noise from the lounge had caused him to turn around. By the time he'd looked back, the lady had gone. He said that he went back into the lounge to see what the noise was and found a single chair in the middle of the room. He swore that all the tables and chairs were straight and tidy. As far as I know, none of us saw anything else and we have no idea who this lady was or why the chairs had been moved. You should really take a look at Somerset as we have some really haunted places. All the best and keep up the good work.
Helen. Well, thank you so much for sending this story in. Really creepy, especially the chairs being moved. A mixture of both a full apparition and a possible poltergeist. I assure you that if I get a second season going ahead, I will definitely do some research about Somerset. Moving back up north, and we're in Warwickshire again. Joe T has sent a story in that, in all honesty, would scare the hell out of most people, including me. This one would play in most of our nightmares. See what you think. Joe says... When I was 10 years old, we lived in Meesham. My big sister and I shared a room. We had a bunk bed, which I had the top bunk, and she had the bottom. The ladder for the bed was towards the far left at the meeting point of the curtains. We had a bay window in the bedroom, which had one large pane of glass on the right side, and the far left had two opening windows. That night, we went to bed around 9pm, It was a dry night, no wind, just peaceful. Throughout the night, I had a sudden urge to wake up, which was odd for myself at that age. I woke up, it was very dark, and still dark outside. The only light was the landing light creeping under the doorframe. I popped to the toilet, as I was already awake, and came back into the bedroom. I started to make my way up the ladder to get back to my bed. However, for some reason, I had a sudden feeling to twitch the curtains and peer outside into the garden. When I pulled the curtain back, I saw a very strange, vivid and gloomy face in the top left window, looking down at me from an angle. I've been advised it was my own reflection. However, it was not straight in front. Rather, it was looking down at me, clear as day, and I was looking straight up at it in its eyes. Instantly, I screamed the house down and ran straight to my parents' bedroom, waking my mother and father in a sudden distressed manner. My father instantly ran into my room to look out of the window, following on both going to the garden to check if there was anyone there. To my surprise, no signs of life. The next morning, my father went outside and grabbed his ladders to place them against my bedroom window to check for any signs of tampering or suspicious damage to find a couple of smudges and marks in the same window that I had seen the mysterious face in. To this day, we never knew what happened that night, or what it was. For the next few nights, well, I spent them in my parents' room as I was too scared to enter my bedroom. After a few nights had passed, I decided to go back into my own room, to which I permanently closed my curtains by taping the left side to the wall so I would never be tempted to peer out of them again. On a lighter note, if this story makes it into a movie, I would like to be played by Bill Murray, as I think his acting is absolutely impeccable, and he would play the role perfectly. But definitely not Johnny Depp, as I've never really known what all the fuss is about. He just pretty much plays a pirate in every film. Great, great story, Joan. This just reminds me straight away of a scene from Salem's Lot, where the kid's friend who has been transformed into a vampire returns at night and is tapping at the window of his friend, begging to be let in. Really, this gave me goosebumps. And on the film front, I totally get the Johnny Depp comments. 
I've never known what all the fuss is about either. But that's just our opinion. Well, this is going to be our last listener story for this very special episode, and it comes from Debbie in Rugeley, near Cannock. Now, this story could have easily slotted straight into episode 8, which was Crisis Ghosts, and, just like some of those stories, the encounter, whilst unexpected, gave comfort. Many years ago, when I was living at home with my parents, a close friend moved into a house just a few doors up from our house with her father. They lived quite happily there for many years until his health started to deteriorate. She tried her best to juggle looking after him and holding down a full-time job, but in the end it was decided between them that he would move in with her brother and his partner, who could care for him 24-7. It was at this time that he asked me to move in as he didn't want her to lose the house and be on her own, to which I agreed and became part owner. All was going well until her dad took a turn for the worse and was admitted to hospital. My friend then spent most nights going from work and to the hospital to sit with her dad, until one night she had a call to say that she should come back down to the hospital as he was very ill. All her family gathered at the hospital and I waited for any news at home. On this particular night, it was getting quite late, so I decided I may as well go up to bed but leave my mobile phone on in case of any news. I must have fell asleep, but woke when I heard a noise. It was my friend returning from the hospital. She came into my room, quite upset, and said that she had said her goodbyes as they didn't think he would survive the night. It was then, as she was talking, there appeared to be some kind of light behind her. I reached for the light switch as I thought she had lent on my phone and the screen had lit up, but before I could switch the light on, a bright light came from behind her like a globe moving very slowly across the room towards the window and just vanished. I switched the light on and could see that she was very upset but also in shock. I said, did you see what I've just saw? And she said, yes. We both really believe that this was her dad. I say this because she was the youngest of the family and he was always very protective of her. If ever she went out with friends, he would wait up until she came home. He always used to say to me, I can't rest until I know she's safely back home. I believe this was him making sure she got back safe. A few hours later, she had a call to say that he had passed away. All the best, Debbie. A massive thank you for sending this story in. As discussed in the Crisis Ghosts episode, these experiences can be extremely frightening for some people, whilst others seem to embrace what is happening and take it as a sign of a final goodbye. These kinds of sightings are more common than you may think. Well... These first 10 episodes have been a real learning experience, but also great fun to put together, and I truly hope you've enjoyed listening to them. Again, I can't thank you all enough for listening, commenting, writing in, and boosting those ratings. And, as a bit of a bonus, this is an experience which I had around 12 years ago. I was in a band and we had a gig at the Two Gates Social Club in Tamworth. 
As far as I know, this club is still open today. The format which we'd been asked to stick to was a 45 minute set, 30 minute break and another 45 minute set. We'd done a final sound check and then started playing. Now I was on rhythm guitar and vocals and I pretty much always stood front stage and to the left as the other guitarist and vocalist John stood to the right. From my position, if I looked left, I could see down a set of stairs. At the side of the stage, these were hidden from the audience by a large curtain. Now these stairs led down to a small area where you kept all of your cases and things for the gear that you brought. There was also a dressing room, a toilet and a door that led back out into the main hall. There was no other way in or out apart from that door. We must have gotten through around 25 to 30 minutes of the first set when, from the corner of my eye, I saw movement in the room down the stairs. As we're playing, I can see a man, in what looked like a dark-coloured suit, walk around the room and then go into the toilet and close the door. Now, I really didn't get a look at his face, but there was definitely someone down there, and I hadn't seen anyone walk through the door from the hall into our area at the side of the stage. Throughout the rest of the set, I tried to keep an eye on that room and the toilet door to see who it was, but no one came out. Now, the other guitarist, John, had seen me looking down there and was curious to know what I was looking at. At the break, I immediately went down the stairs and knocked on the toilet door. No answer. So I opened it, and it was empty. I told John that I thought I'd definitely seen someone down there while we were playing. So, we go back on stage for the second and final 45-minute set, and this time I notice John looking over to the stairs, and the colour literally draining from his face. Then he looked at me and mouthed the words... It's down there. I looked over straight away, but this time I saw nothing at all. At the end of the night, we'd packed everything away, but John seemed very uneasy. Now, John was a born-again Christian, and in his opinion, whatever was in this hall was evil. I myself am an atheist and an open-minded skeptic so I'm more welcoming to the possibility that these types of phenomenon could be real. I have to say, though, that I couldn't be 100% certain of what I saw. Was it a ghost? I simply just don't know. With all of that equipment around and the possibility of infrasound being generated by something, was I seeing things? Now, infrasound has been proven to interfere with our peripheral vision. I went back into the hall alone to thank the bar staff and manager for a great night and saw the manager behind the bar cleaning up. We chatted briefly about the evening and then I just came out with, forgive me for saying this, but has anyone ever seen a ghost here? Now he looked at me for a second or two, probably to just judge whether I was being serious or not, then said, well, one of the cleaners saw a man in a dark suit disappear going towards the stage doors. If you're interested... One of the barmaids who works here, but she's not here tonight, thinks she saw a ghost and she photographed it. I rooted through my wallet straight away and pulled out one of the business cards for the band and handed it to him. I asked if he didn't mind to mention it to the barmaid and get her to email me a copy of the photograph. 
I never received anything, and to be honest, I didn't chase it up. Well, we've come to the end of episode 10, but also the end of season 1 of Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast. But before I go, I'd just like to do the usual and make a few announcements. Now, first off, I'd like to thank all of you who have listened and especially to those who've taken the time to send in their stories. To be honest, I'll have to bring the show back for at least one more episode just to put the rest of the stories in that I haven't included in this episode. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, then please leave a five-star review wherever you can. This will help the show tremendously. Now, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Secondly, I'd like to give a big shout-out to the show's sponsor, CDS Print and Design. Thank you so much to Colin and Debbie for your support, and hopefully we'll both be back for Season 2. Thirdly, I'd like to give a shout-out to a few podcasts which, if you're struggling to find interesting material to listen to, these will definitely quench your thirst. So, wherever you download your podcasts from, try searching for the following. The Astonishing Legends The Strange Sessions Haunted Housewives The Mystery of Life Podcast The Salty Speculation Podcast Killing, Missing, Hidden The Pineapple Pizza Podcast Podcasts from Fool and Scholar Productions Keep It Weird And my current favourite, Red Handed And from the Parcast Network, who are now exclusively only on Spotify, Unexplained Mysteries, Conspiracy Theories, Gone, and Extraterrestrial. Next, if you've had an experience or a sighting of a paranormal phenomena or a ghost anywhere in the world, then please email the show at hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. That's hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com with full details of your encounter. And if we're back, I will try my best to read out all of your listener stories in dedicated listener episodes. Now, I genuinely love to hear from you, so please get in touch. Last of all, if you have a podcast that you need mixing, or if you need original music writing for your podcast, then please get in touch via email to pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com That's pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com This podcast was recorded at Pink Flamingo Music Production Studio in Hells Owen in the West Midlands, England. Thank you all so much again for listening and hopefully we'll be back very soon with another episode and a new season. But until then, stay safe, take care and look out for Halloween. <laughs>